Our Old Testament reading from 1 Kings in the 19th chapter. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out, stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, of Meholah, you shall anoint to be the prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall Jehu put to death, and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So, He departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelve. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen, sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from the letter to the Galatians in the fifth chapter. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel. From Luke's gospel in the ninth chapter. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him, who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for calling us together once again around your word, around your gifts, into your presence where you promised to be with us here. We pray, Lord, that you would also move by your spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and let ourselves and everything that we are focus on Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Focus is always an interesting thing to think on. I mean, if you've ever taken photography, focus is always a very interesting concept because everybody's eye is just a little bit different. Someone may think something's in focus and someone else is going to say, no, it looks a little bit blurry. And in our own lives, there's a lot of focus that happens too. We can focus on education. We can focus on majors. We can focus on all kinds of stuff. And for the most part, if you go into any bookstore anywhere, you're going to see a whole section that will help you focus in on yourself. Self-help books, self-growth uh, books, anything that would focus you in on who you are and in on your abilities to make you a stronger person and you a better person. And we're, we're told to focus on ourselves a lot, right? Take time out for yourself. 
Focus on you. Make sure you're in good shape. Make sure you are in a good place spiritually, emotionally, physically. Take care of number one because if you don't take care of you, then no one else is going to and you can't take care of anyone else. We're pushed all the time to focus on ourselves. And there's some need for that at times. Absolutely. I mean, there are times that we do need to focus on our health or focus on things that are needful in our lives. But see, too much of a focus on ourselves also can be sort of detrimental. We focus too much on ourselves and we forget our family, our friends. And in a Christian setting, if we focus so deeply within ourselves, we start to see the sin that riddles us. And we start to wonder, is God really big enough to forgive that sin? Because the more I focus on myself and look within, I see all the things that separate me from God. And that can start to lead down a path of wonder and despair and just a little bit of doubt even. On whether or not God's promises of forgiveness are really true. Because the depth of things that we tend to see in our own lives is deeper than anybody else would know about. So that focus within ourselves can lead to a place of despair and darkness at times too. And that's when we focus on ourselves. But I think there's other things that we tend to focus on also, like you know, other people's sins. Sometimes it's really fun to focus on other people's sins so we don't have to look at our own sins nearly as much. And when we focus on other people's sins, then we start to focus on what God would do about their sins. We start to ask the exact same question that James and John asked on the road as they were walking through a Samaritan town, right? Jesus set with his face towards Jerusalem, focused on Jerusalem. They have to make their way through Samaria. He sends some messengers ahead, and as those messengers come back and they say, Jesus, they're not going to receive you in that town. We've got to keep moving. James and John chime in and they say, hey, it wasn't all that long ago you sent us out into the towns and villages with authority to cast out demons and heal people, and that's all good that we got to do the healing and gospel preaching part of it, but now... Do you also give us the authority to do what we would do, if it's your will, of course, for us to call down judgment? Because that sounds pretty fun, Jesus. Can we call down fire and judgment on the people that would re- wouldn't receive you? Because, you know, that's pretty mean of them. I know you told us to just shake the dust off our feet at them, but would you have it, Jesus, that we would call down fire upon them? Let us judge, Jesus. Sometimes we have a tendency to do something fairly similar. We may not call down fire upon somebody, but we may hear something that doesn't seem to work in our minds as the correct position, the correct opinion, the correct uh, answer to anything that's going on in the day, whatever the issue of the day may be. And we may just verbally tell somebody that, Well, God's judgment is going to fall upon them and that they are in the wrong. They might be, according to God's word, but it's still not our place to judge in that way. We don't get to know somebody's heart and we don't get to judge them for eternity either. 
We can certainly look at an action and say, look, that doesn't look like it adds up against God's word, so let me tell you about the love of Jesus. Let me tell you about the forgiveness that he brings. Let me tell you about what God has done through Christ for the forgiveness of the world and the forgiveness of our sins. Let me walk alongside you through the hurtful times, through the joyful times, through all of the conversations of life. We like to focus on other people's sins because it takes us away from having to focus on our own brokenness a lot of times. But as James and John asked Jesus if it was his will for them to call down judgment, he immediately turns around and rebukes them. And I kind of wish we had the rest of that conversation, but we don't, right? We don't get to hear the other side of that, at least not yet. Maybe one day we can ask James and John about it and they can tell us what Jesus had to say to them. But for now, we just know that Jesus rebuked them and kept his own focus. His focus that kind of shook everything up. His focus upon God's will not to call down judgment upon that Samaritan village, but God's will to forgive the sins James and John, that Samaritan village, you, me, all those that have done things that would separate us from God. As Jesus set his face focused, determined to go to the cross, determined to go to Jerusalem to accomplish the will of God, the will that all would know of the truth, of Jesus as the Son of God, and the love that God has for His creation, the fact that He has done something to redeem His creation and buy it back, the things that He has done to restore His creation, things He has done to forgive His creation. See, that turns a world upside down. Where our focus on things can be so blurry and out of focus at times, Jesus is focused brought clarity the way things truly are. The fact that we cannot bring God's judgment down upon people, we can bring our own judgment into somebody's life, and that's probably not a very good thing to do. And the focus that God brings, forgiveness through Jesus, not judgment, not yet. And Jesus, born into the flesh, was sent in the world for what purpose? Well, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him would have eternal life, right? One of the most familiar verses in Scripture. And who wrote it? One of the guys that wanted to call down judgment on that little Samaritan village. Realizing that once he saw what Jesus did at the cross, as he stood there at the foot of the cross, the Apostle John, seeing that we cannot know who Jesus truly is outside of from the cross itself, and the love God shown for us as his son died in our place to carry our own judgment to the tomb, to bear the judgment of God upon himself for our sins and be in our place so that we would be given forgiveness, so that we would be given life, so that we would know God's focus for us is on life, eternity, with Him. 
a life that is given to you in the promise of your baptism. God's word wrapped around you where he claimed you as his own child and wrapped Christ's righteousness around you so that you would not bear God's judgment, but you would be called beloved child, forgiven, redeemed, and restored in God's word for you. That's his focus for you. That's actually what he calls us to focus on too. Not once in Scripture does he ever say, focus upon yourself, do what you need to do for you so that your desires, your wants, your will would be done. Not one bit. Where are our fo- foci, focuses, <laughs> supposed to be? Well, beloved and redeemed and forgiven, he then hands back to us his expectation for his creation. He says, now that you know you are mine, now that you know you are forgiven, now that you know that all your sins have been washed away in the blood of Jesus and nothing can separate you from me, go. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as I have loved you. Our focus is never Does it ever need to be upon ourselves? God's got you taken care of for eternity. So he sends you out with a focus for all the people that are around you to see where their hurts are and where their needs are from birth to the tomb. God gives us people in our lives to walk alongside with to be with them in the joys, to be with them in the grieving, to be with them in the suffering, to walk alongside and speak God's word into their lives so that they would know that God has loved them so much that he has claimed them as their own in all that Jesus has done for them. It's the same work he's done for you. And you can rest in that promise that his focus remains on you. Not focusing so entirely to see where you're going to mess up and drop the ball, but focused upon forgiving you and making sure that you continually hear his word of forgiveness and love and grace spoken into your ears, beloved child of God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you would let our hearts, our minds, our souls, Rest in the fact that you have forgiven us in Jesus. That his focus on your will led to his death and his resurrection. All for our benefit. That you would forgive us all of our sins as he died for them and rose for them and sends us out with his word to give to others so that they would know of your focus for them. In Jesus' name, amen.